Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Metroscope, an Intercom Radio Portland public affairs program. I'm Gary Bloxham. And are you in the mood for some salmon? Well, we are coming up on the fall salmon harvest. And on Metroscope this time, we've got all the information you need on where to get some great fish from the Columbia River Intertribal Fish Commission. We are talking today with Buck Jones. Buck is an enrolled Cayuse member, one of the bands that compose the Confederated Tribes of the Umatilla Indian Reservation. Hey there, Buck. How's it going? Doing real well. Thanks, Gary. How are you? I'm doing good. And today we want to talk about salmon fishing. Ooh, let's talk about salmon. Is it salmon season right now? It is. It's uh, it's... It's the beginning of our fall fall run. Our commercial season will start on next Monday, but there is salmon in the river right now. How is the fish count this year? You know, this year has not been one of the better years for uh, the returns uh, on the on the river um, all all seasons, both spring, summer, and fall. I think we got spoiled. We had record runs previously previous couple of years and it's uh it's just it's an animal and it's not a it's, it's not hasn't been good this year a little bit unpredictable fish are yeah you know uh there's a lot of uh a lot of uh, varying factors you know uh that that uh, impact that so uh you know there are people that come up with those numbers they do the best they can and um on a predictions and uh it's just uh, been a bit, 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 bit under than it has been previous years. Well, let's let's talk about that uh, a little bit. What what are some of the factors that affect uh, the fish runs each year? You know, it, it's uh, as we can see as we look outside right now. You know, uh, the global warming has a lot to do. Uh, ocean conditions um, have a have a big factor in uh, the salmon. Um, you know some different uh challenges of some other fisheries that impact you know the returns and uh one of the other other ones is uh is the sea lions yeah those pesky guys they're out there and we uh, the radio station here is right on the Willamette River and we see sea lions in the Willamette River here it's right, it's amazing yeah. when those things get way up to the to the Bonneville dam yeah it is you know they they're Basically in the springtime, but uh, but they are uh, a uh, you know they're a, they're a threat you know especially there you know on the Willamette um, it's really impacted the steelhead there and and it's uh, been an ongoing um, problem at Bonneville for numerous numerous years. Now you are the salmon marketing specialist with the Columbia River Intertribal Fish Commission. Tell me what is the Columbia River Intertribal Fish Commission, or CRITFC. Um, cryptic is cryptic, a okay. yeah. Cryptic or Columbia River Intertribal Fish Commission is a uh, 
We're a technical and advisory arm of the four treaty tribes that have treaty fishing rights um, on the Columbia River. And those tribes are the Warm Springs and the Confederate tribes of the Umatilla in Oregon, Nez Perce Nation in Idaho, and the Yakima Nation in Washington State. So we, uh, we're just like uh, we, had got, we got employees that are in fish management, watershed. We got policy people. We also got our own, uh, our own enforcement along the river in Hood River. And then uh, we also got a genetics lab in southeastern Idaho. When was cryptic, uh, when did it start? It was started in, uh, it's the, in 1977. So we've been out uh, an organization for about four, uh, about over 40 years. That's a, that's a good long time. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the... So we just advise the tribes. Um, the tribes, um, they set their own seasons. And uh, like I say, we're just kind of an advisory arm to the tribes. You know, we got, like I said, uh, that we coordinate with uh, the states and the non, uh, on the, both sides of the river to, uh, to uh, kind of come up with numbers. We was talking about earlier with the, with the salmon returns and then then the tribes uh, take our recommendations, and then they set their own season. Since each of the four tribes are, you know, are, are their own sovereign nation. What are mo- the seasons of salmon? What are, are they? What are they? Well, uh, our biggest our biggest uh, season of salmon is coming up is the fall is the fall Chinook run. Um, that's been annually uh, where we get the largest return of the salmon and. And in the last few years, we've had uh, we've had spring salmon return Chinook also, and uh, in the spring, uh, t- Taylor's in the summer, and there's in between there's some co- uh, sockeye salmon that return during that time. And we have steelhead, we have we have sturgeon, but our big uh, our big return annually is is the fall fall salmon run. Those sturgeon, though, those are those are monsters, right? Yeah, they can, they can be pretty big. You know, we have uh, restrictions on sizes that we uh, that we that the that the fishers can uh, keep and catch, but uh, they are an old they are an old old giant fish. I've seen one before up close out in the river, and it, it it's like a giant dinosaur just leapt out of the water. Yeah, it is. You know, they uh, uh, they can grow pretty big. Tell me about the role that salmon play in tribal member culture. You know, salmon is uh, is one of our uh, one of our first foods, or whatever. You know, um, in the springtime, when the first salmon uh, comes back and stuff, we we have ceremonies for for those salmon that return. You know, um, it's called a first a first salmon feast where we you know we honor that the salmon has came back. You know, they they come back to provide uh, food for the uh, the tribal members, but it's uh, culturally been very important for our our people throughout our history. You know, since time immemorial, you know, it it comes back and it uh, it uh, comes back and returns to their spawning areas. It's kind of amazing deal that they can go all the way back up into tributary where they was born and 
try to lay those eggs and hopefully get some return back. But it, it is one of our first foods that we honor along with our roots and our wild game and some of our berries. And Tell me about your history with fishing. You've been, you've been doing this for a while. You know, I was raised on the Umatilla Reservation in Eastern Oregon, and uh, and my father uh, took me to some of the tributaries like the the Grand Round River, the Imnaha, and the North Fork of the John Day, and uh, we uh, we gaffed salmon there with like a like a, a gaff hook, and and that was my first part of uh, of really catching salmon that way you know it wasn't like on the main stem here but later in my life i did come down to the main stem of the columbia river and started commercial fishing uh in my in my earlier younger life when i uh um learned from a a family that was a big fishing family on the on the columbia are all the salmon line caught um, no, they, uh, there's different ways that are, that are, uh, salmon are caught. Like I, I mentioned earlier, the tributary fishing, um, uh, we used a gaff hook that we gaff hooked them. And then, uh, on the main stem, we got, people do, um, use a rod and reel for salmon, but, um, mainly the commercial season, we use, we use gill nets that are either set from the, from the line on a set and then recently we've been getting a lot more drift boat nets that um just are like a, with a bow picker that reel out a net and then drift down the river and then catch them that way and then we also have a platform fishing where there uh there is scaffolds or platforms set along the, on the main stem of the of the river and in some of the tributaries and they use what is called a hoop net and then they uh, they take them out out of the water and out of the out of that hoop net, and then bring them onto those platforms. So those are the main uh, ways that we uh, we harvest the salmon. We're talking today with Buck Jones with the Columbia River Intertribal Fish Commission. Now, d- d- tell us a secret. What's the best part of the river? You know, the best part of the river, thats it's a pretty big river. Yeah, it is. <laughs> everybody, everybody has their own, uh, their own special area, their own area. You know, right now for the fish, some of the, the best parts of the river is some of those mouths of those tributaries where the water's cool. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I... I think everybody has their own their own special place or whatever. It's a it's a you know a beautiful place, um, and it, it is it is a long a long big river. <laughs> and fishing happens all along the Columbia River, at least in the United States, anyway, right? Yeah, it it, it does. You know the um, the salmon um, they return. Some of them go you know all the way into the the middle fork of the Salmon River in Idaho, and they go up as far um up into the upper reaches of the columbia um you know up by the wenatchee area and and the sockeye salmon they actually they actually go all the way into canada so it's just amazing that you know the the fish will travel um that far up and down the river and out to the ocean and then come back 
I'm sure studies have been done on fish and how far they travel. Do you have any idea the lengths they travel? How many miles is that? You know, some of them, they, when they go out to the ocean, they go all the way up into the, uh, into the, up into Alaska and, and can stay up there, you know, anywhere from three to five years and then, and can go back up the, you know, some of those spring salmon go up into the upper reaches of the, of the Snake River and the Salmon River, the Amnaha River, that's, you know, over, Probably about, you know, anywhere from 500 to 800, 1,000 miles on just the river. And that's not even counting out in the ocean. That's truly amazing. Fish are, are amazing. It is, yeah. And like I say, you know, the, they usually return back to where they, they was uh, laid as an egg. It's just amazing that they have that, uh, that, that sense in them that, the, that they know where they're going to go. You know, we do have some of them that do wander off to different places, but for the most part, they return where they was, uh, where they was laid as an egg, and then they fell up. <laughs> Sometimes I can't find my way across town. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't make a very good fish. So tell me, you've been with the Columbia River Intertribal Fish Commission for, for some time. Tell me how long you've been there and what you do. Yeah, I've been... Uh, Employed with the Columbia River Intertribe Fish Commission for over 14 years in a couple different capacities. I uh, I started out um, taking care of our fishing treaty fishing access sites and then loose sites along the Columbia River. We uh, we maintained some fishing access sites that. Um, that was built after the, uh, the they start damming up the river. So we maintain like 31 of those sites on both sides of the river. Um, and that's in our, our commercial fishing area, which is Zone 6, it's called. And that starts at Bonneville Dam and goes all the way to McNary. So I worked there for seven years uh, taking care of uh, the, uh, the, those sites. And... We have we have we also have that office. I didn't mention that at the beginning. That's out out of the Dalles, and um, they take care of the fishing sites along the river. And then uh, I did that for about seven years, and then I went into our fish science department, where I uh, I worked out at Bonneville Dam on a project where we uh, did upstream migration, where we would we would do uh, aging, and we would do. Uh, genetic sampling on salmon, adult salmon that was going up the river, and we would put in uh, pit tags, and the pit tags would, uh, you know, have their own codes and their own numbers, and they would also be able to uh, tell when they was going up past uh, other points that had readers, mainly at the dams, um, and they they would tell with where those salmon are going at the at the end of their life cycle, then the, some of the tribes or other state agencies would do field carcasses and they would uh, run a reader, a pit tag reader, over the salmon and read those pit tags to see where they, they ended up. And I did that about four years, and then uh, the last three years I've been into the in, into this current position I'm at now, into the salmon marketing. Tell me about salmon marketing. What what kind of role does that play? You know, the salmon marketing 
really developed in the the late nineties, uh, early two thousands. It was it was brought uh, brought up at our one of our commission meetings by our commissioners that that they looked at the uh, that they looked at the price of salmon and what the fishermen were getting at that time and um, just kind of an arbitrary number just for conversation. We'd say we was it would start out at like a dollar a pound when the fishermen were catching the fish, and then as with any market, then it kind of start dropping when uh, as the season went along, and it, it may have been you know fifty, thirty-five, twenty-five cents a pound. Then they noticed in the when they went to the store or at the market, you know, it was fifteen. Eighteen, twenty dollars a pound, and they just start saying, "Well, like, what's what's the what's the problem here? How come we're, uh, you know, we're not getting the 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 value that we need for the fish?" So, we well, the cryptic developed a salmon marketing program, and and it did a lot of uh, a lot of quality handling, uh, food safety classes to um, bring up the value of our salmon, you know, the way they're caught and stuff, the way they're handled, icing, and and uh, we provided HACCP classes, um, and a HACCP class is a hazard, alanis, hazard analysis critical control point. It's a seafood, seafood course that we've provided for our fishers, and that really improved our uh, our value of our fish, you know, um, by handling it the right way, having proper storage and icing, and uh, it was a uh, kind of put us up, you know, to the to the level of the other fishers along the river, and so we've we've been providing HACCP for you know probably over I'd say over a thousand fishermen for our, our people, and then so the role of the, of the of the salmon marketing person is to have these classes to develop markets that are out in the public, whether it be retail um, or wholesale. We have wholesale buyers that come along the river, and then we try to also develop uh, markets like in farmers markets um, in the region here. So where's the best place to, if we wanted to, Get some fish. If we want to get some salmon this fall, where's the best place to go? How do we do that? You know, the the closest points that are uh, available to the Portland metro area are, um, and it's been a real good uh, point for us, has been at the uh, at Cascade Locks underneath the Bridge of the Gods. The uh, It's the former Charburger that has a, and now it's called the uh, Bridgeside Restaurant that um, allows our salmon salmon vendors to uh, have salmon uh, for sale there. And then at uh, across the river is another real good site on the uh, Washington side, just about a mile up on Highway 14 from Bonneville Dam, is one of the access sites that are, or the in-loose sites that I talked about called Fort Range. So those are the closest to the Portland metro area, but there is... Um, they're not limited to those sites, you know. They people sell up around the Dalles. They sell uh, around the Hood River area, and as far up as uh, Boardman in the fall time and 
Roosevelt, Washington. So, like we was talking about earlier, the river's pretty big, so there's a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of opportunity, a lot of different fishermen that uh, you know so can self direct to the public. What are some good uh, tips that you can give out to our listeners that are coming, that are driving maybe from the Portland metro area to come out to the Columbia River to get some fish? What are some good tips, and how can we make sure we're getting uh, fish from the Columbia River Intertribal Fish Commission? You know, the uh, the fishers themselves, they're all their own individual um, entities or business businesses, so they, they generally are uh, cash-only sales. Uh, some of them probably, you know, with technology changing, might have the square and, and take some cards. But usually, it's cash only, and it's uh, um, best to get out early in the morning. The fish, the fishermen usually fish in the evenings, so the fish uh, are caught during the evenings, and then they'll um, prepare them for the, you know, for sales. The ones that don't don't sell to the wholesale buyers, they'll. They'll prepare them and sell them throughout the day. Um, it'd be best to um, make sure that you have have a cooler and ice if if if, not, if you can provide your own ice. Some of them do have ice, but make sure that it is a uh, that you do have ice. And it's like I said, it, it's generally cash only. How can you tell when a fish is fresh? You know, it's uh, the, the firmness of the of the of the fish is is, uh, is very very important. You know, if if the head head is on, if they don't take the heads off, you know that you can look in their eyes and make sure that the eyes are not cloudy, and uh, and look at them that way. And uh, like I say, and making sure that they're they're on ice. That, uh, that they're being sold from ice and that they are, uh, like I say, the firmness has a lot to do with it and the, um, they're stored in ice. That's that's very important. And uh, the, the, is the color of the flesh make any difference? Um, the, 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 the more uh, brighter the color of the fish, flesh is uh, is uh, is very important. You know, um, as the seasons go along, they... Uh, as they start to age a little bit, and so the salmon do, they do uh, turn a little bit lighter skin and the, um, as they kind of get farther in the season. So the bright red, orange is, is very uh, a good indication too. Are these uh, absolutely whole fish? Are they cleaned in any way, or what's the... They're, they, they, can be, they can be either bought... Um, Usually they're cleaned. Some some of them are. Uh, usually they are cleaned or whatever. Um, some of them do uh, have fillets there, and they do have value added fish too, meaning that they um, will either smoke it or uh, dry their fish and sell it that way. So usually they're they're usually pretty much cleaned. There's nothing quite like fresh salmon unless it's maybe smoked salmon. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, that that is a delicacy, you know, <laughs> that uh, that smoked salmon. So, Buck, we have about a minute or so left here. Let's talk about the future. What do you see in the future for salmon fishing, for tribal salmon fishing? Oh, you know, we've been doing it since time immemorial, and, and the, the saying is that you know that uh, as as tribal people, you know, as long as the salmon return, you know, then we'll still be here as tribal people. It's uh, you know the the tribes and the and cryptic itself are putting a lot of work into getting salmon returns. You know the 
with the the staff that Cryptic has and the tribal fishery staff, you know, we're probably one of the largest employers of, of fishery staff in the Columbia River Basin. So we're uh, we're we're putting the effort in to do stream restoration, you know, get returns back for our our feet, our people, and not just our people. You know, it's a it's a it's a lot of fishermen. You know, uh, sport fishermen uh, are taking some of these same salmon. So it's it's a win win for for the whole region. Yeah, salmon is a very important part of the Columbia River. It is, you know, and you, you you look out at different times, you can go uh, see sport fishermen, and it's like a city of boats out there sometimes. <laughs> and, and, you know, we're starting to see, even in our tribal fishing, that uh, we're getting a lot of new new fishers in and new blood, and uh, it's just a, a tradition that, you know, that our, our people are continuing on. Well, keep those lines out there, because I love salmon. Oh, that's good to hear. We really, we really support, uh, we appreciate the support that we've uh, gotten from the Portland community. We've been talking today with Buck Jones, Columbia River Intertribal Fish Commission. Thanks so much, Buck. Metroscope is an Intercom Radio Portland public affairs program. I'm Gary Bloxham. If you're involved with a nonprofit or public affairs organization, or if you have an idea for an upcoming show, I'd like to hear from you. Visit MetroscopePDX.com and submit your ideas. You can also go to this station's website and submit your information there. Thanks for listening to Metroscope and enjoy the rest of your weekend. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.